0: From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, what comes around had better not go around. The fact is that the excellent is a risk factor. First this. You're enjoying As Seen From Here, the landmark podcast from the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, launched way back in February of 2005. Why not enjoy some of the other ASCRS offerings, including the ASCRS Symposium in Congress, the meeting to end all meetings in ophthalmology, or the ASCRS Winter Update, where you can meet one-on-one with some of ophthalmology's most important leaders in a beautiful setting. Or see the future of ophthalmology at ISpace MD, the global ophthalmic classroom brought to you by the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. If you're a resident, check out openophthalmology.com, an extensive lecture series on clinical optics. And remember, residents and fellows can join the ASCRS at no cost. But please don't do any of these things until you've enjoyed this episode of As Seen From Here. I think TORIC IOLs are great. They fill a gap left by conventional IOLs and offer a level of precision unmatched by LRI. But TORIC IOLs have a vulnerability, and it is rotational stability. Oriented properly, they improve refractive errors. Misoriented, they do not and can even shift the astigmatic axis in a way that makes things worse. Of course, much attention has been paid to lens design to minimize post-operative IOL rotation. But that's not to say that such rotation cannot occur. How much rotation? And who is particularly at risk is the subject of study of a new paper authored by Abe Vazavada, my guest today. How important is rotational stability of a toric IOL postoperatively?
1: It is very important. The reason is that the unaided unaided quality vision is a strength of a well-corrected toric IOL. Even if it rotates, number one the quality goes down but it shakes the confidence of the patient that some days it was okay doctor until few days and now it's not as good as it used to be so that kind of shakes the patient's confidence and that that also plays a more important role so theor- theoretically we know that you know every 3 degree rotation uh, sort of you know reduces some some uh, vision but also because the patient is shaken up by a changing vision, uh, I think it's very important.
0: Prior to your study, which factors had been identified as influencing postoperative rotational stability?
1: If I was single out one, it's the And length. And also the orientation in the bag. I believe that uh, the vertical element is more likely to rotate than the horizontal. But the main is the axial length. And that may be because the larger action length may have a larger anterior uh, segment and a more uh, larger back size or, or whatever. But, but the fact is that the action length is a uh, risk
0: factor. The stability of the TORIC IOL is, is, is something that you studied. What question did your study seek to answer, Dr. Vazavada?
1: We basically measured the action length and then tritrated it along with the rotation, so the baseline rotation versus uh, down the line, and then try to correlate with the actual length. So it's the same thing that we basically did with the actual length.
0: Can I get you to describe the design of your study?
1: My design is actually an observational perspective study, and uh, we had the software by which we could very mathematically, and we wanted to find out its correlation with actual length and in the bag IOL. So we measure all the action length using the using the optical coherence biometry, and then the alignment, whether what is oblique, the horizontal or vertical. And this is these two factors: orientation, action length was done, and we consecutively assessed about 170 or 180 eyes. Divided into some groups where we had the mean action length as a particular 23 point something. And we, we calculated the median rotation at different points of time. And then we, we measured the actual length 23, 24, 25, likewise, and, and the
0: rotation. And what did you find? What were your results in this study?
1: So, but the reason was that the rotation was greater, longer the axial length. Longer the eyes, the, in other words, if the actual length was longer, they would show more rotational instability if the IOL rotated more. And we believe it's because of the longer eyes have a larger anterior segment and also in that, there is a larger bag, capsule bag. And therefore, the theoretically, we should have a larger toric IOL in a very large bag or a longer eyes. We have only one size of toric IOL, which sort of fits in all back size. Obviously, the longer eyes, it's not fitting as well as it's in the standard back size. So theoretically, we should have a longer IOL in these longer eyes, larger IOL in longer eyes.
0: In the largest rotational magnitude cases, how much did the lens rotate?
1: But, but it, it, the, the fact the, the, the good part is that these ECOSOPs, single-piece ECOSOPs, didn't rotate that much. Even the, even the worst case scenario uh, was never more than 15 degrees, 10 degrees or so. We had only two or three cases of 10 degrees, and no, no case had 15 degree.
0: The majority of patients had less than two degrees of off-axis yeah, IOL or two, yeah, rotation. Yeah, that's yeah. Right, yeah. Is this degree of rotation clinically significant?
1: No. This two or three degrees is clinically, they, it's not significant. I, I, I presume that it's not significant with all designs of toric IOL, irrespective of the companies or manufacturers. But particularly with single-phase ECUSOF, uh, it is quite forgiving. Uh, we, we, in reality, we do have patients, uh, even outside studies, who have, uh, imprecise, uh, placement right from the beginning, where we think that the placement is off the, Targeted XSN by by three degree five degree there are, there are quite a few patients like that but all of these patients when we when we give them a cylinder number or or, or a subjective refraction they don't accept it they are managing quite crisp vision unaided in spite of their actually toricity off by five degree or so so in clinical scenario it doesn't matter it, this, is, this 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 kind of thing is more for for researching more uh, designs or, or customizing with this kind of myopic. I, I'm, I'm trying to suggest to the company that uh, there should be a larger, uh, you know, uh, overall diameter of toric eye oil in eyes were myopic, more than 27 millimeter of uh, actual length. If they have a choice to the surgeon, that would be better, whether there is sufficient market and whether the doctors and patients are motivated to use this is a different thing but these kind of thing will really tell us that that you know at least in these longer eyes myopic eyes uh, if you have an option of a an overall larger iol it would be desirable yeah.
0: for those patients for whom you observed a rotation of the intraocular lens postoperatively the the uh, the greatest magnitude of rotation occurred between postoperative week 1 and postoperative month 1 what do you think? Right. What do you think's going on between week one and month one? That let's say is not going on between month one and and month two. Yeah, I think the adhesiveness of the
1: entire eye optic and the haptic to the posterior capsule and anti capsule uh, typically occurs about eight to ten days time uh, with aqueous IOL, and sometimes uh, with other IOL it takes a longer, but. But any time after one week, it typically plasters, it cements. But some eyes, it may not. Maybe because there was a viscoelastic left in between the IOL and poster capsule. Or uh, the disparity in the size of the bag and the IOL. Whatever reason, the the poster capsule uh, did not seal or cement it to the IOL. And therefore, it, it it rotated either with the movements or, or with whatever reason. But so I believe that adhesiveness the capsule uh, is taking place anytime up week onwards, and that's the reason, because subsequently then the capsular fibrosis the the fibrosis takes place, and uh, this lens is very resistant to uh, rotation with the fibrosis. Therefore. The fibrosis, which typically occurs after six weeks onward, the IOL didn't rotate. I, I expect that the other lenses design or other materials would rotate would continue rotating even after a month, because some of these lens designs and material are more vulnerable to capsular fibrosis, particularly if it is asymmetrical fibrosis in one meridian, is more than other. So the tilt and the rotational stability would be more. Uh, will continue even after a month but with this Equisof, uh because it adheres to the capsule uh, fairly soon, uh, well before a month and it resists the fibrosis because of the single piece and the uh, robust design I think uh, that you're not seeing after one month but I would expect other lens design to continue showing even after a
0: month. For the lenses that did rotate, do they tend to rotate clockwise or counterclockwise? Ah, uh,
1: it would rotate clockwise although I uh, it, it should grow. Do. I don't know, really speaking. I can't tell you offhand from the phone, but, but I can tell you it has to be clockwise because uh, anticlockwise, uh, the lens has to be forcefully rotated. Well, when there is a contraction or when there is uh, whatever forces are rotating, it would easily have influence on a clockwise meridian because the open haptic, anticlockwise means it has, the open part of the haptic has to come rotate fast, which is uh, not... Uh, it's very difficult. So I would straight away say clockwise.
0: What do you do in your own clinical practice now? Do, do you counsel your high axial length astigmatic cataract patients differently? Yes. In fact, Bob, we never used to do this, but after this study, patients who are
1: 27 millimeter in length or more, we tell them that because of your large size of the lens, you may find that your vision will fluctuate in first six weeks or eight weeks and you may be left with a very minor cylinder on examination when we examine you we may detect those but you may not need to wear them but we do want them that if you get your eyes checked up with an optician somewhere he might describe your, you might tell you that you're a residual astigmatism or a cylinder, but don't worry about it, you don't need to wear it, and uh, we do that. We have started counseling the longer ride, we never used to do this before. There are one or two papers who have suggested that if you keep the IRL vertical, uh, that means like we are, when we are standing it's vertical and uh, horizontal, uh, there is a difference in, in the post of opacification. Uh, uh, because the adhesiveness is different in different material, That's what the speculation or one said. We do not find that vertical, horizontal oblique made any difference in the rotation. But that, that may be partly because this particular single-piece Microsoft is, it adapts to the bag and adhesiveness the material and the design is so good that it can, uh, you know, it can, can take care of these different rotation, orientation.
0: Dr. Vazavada, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Abe Vazavada comes to us from the Ila Devi Cataract and IOL Research Center at the Raghu Deep Eye Clinic in Memnagar, India. His paper, Rotational Stability of a Toric Intraocular Lens: Influence of Axial Length and Alignment in the Capsular Bag, appears in the January 2012 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. ask questions of Dr. Vazavada or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jyoungmd at gmail.com. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.